Pushkin. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase and a member FDIC 2024 J.P. Morgan Chase and Co. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Talk Easy. I'm Sam Fragoso. Welcome to the show. Hey, everyone. Today is our annual holiday special. Thank you for being here. For the past four years, we have put this special out around the holidays. If you've never heard them before, they consist of me checking back in with the people that came on our show over the past 11 months. They also tend to run about two hours long, but this year, as we were cutting this together, we had a kind of embarrassment of riches. So for 2020, in a year of improvising, we're gonna mix it up. Today is part one of our holiday special, and then next Sunday, the 27th, we'll be releasing part two. For the sake of time, I'll save most of my year-end reflections for next week. For today, I wanted to share something. Around Thanksgiving, we announced our vinyl record with Fran Lebowitz. To those of you who purchased the record, it will be with you shortly, but I also wanted to say thank you. Some podcast people in my life thought the idea was a little insane, a podcast on a record, but the response has been incredibly positive. So I just want to thank everyone who bought the vinyl and continues to listen. But we also realized not everyone, or even most people, have a workable record player. So we wanted to figure out something that everyone could use. An easy way for you to support our show. And that's why today I'm really excited to share our very first Talk Easy themed mugs. I'm not a natural salesman, so bear with me. They come in two colors, navy and cream, 
They are made by a local company here in Los Angeles, and if you'd like to take a look, you can visit our site at talkeasypod.com shop. You can also see them front and center on our social media. We're at TalkEasyPod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Like every episode of this show, these cups are a true labor of love. It took lots of time, persistence, and patience to get it right, and because I can't help but be obsessive about these things, I likely drove some folks crazy in the process. I'm sorry for that, but I think they're worth the wait. And I hope you consider getting one, supporting what we do here each and every Sunday for the last four and a half years. So, like I said, you can find those at talkeasypod.com shop. That's talkeasypod.com shop. And thank you in advance for your support. Now, for today's special, we've got three phone calls and three voicemails. Everyone you're about to hear came on Talk Easy in 2020, and I should say, these are looser than our standard conversations. They aren't exactly interviews. It's more of a year-end check-in, a time to reflect on the year that was, and my God, what a year it was. I hope you find these conversations as comforting and cathartic as I did. First up, I'm talking to award-winning poet Morgan Parker. She happened to be our very first episode of 2020, right before the lockdown. Her latest work, Magical Negro, is a brilliant collection of poems, which you can find wherever you do your reading. But first, a voicemail from Jelani Cobb, one of my favorite staff writers at The New Yorker. I hope you enjoy part one of this special, and more importantly... I hope you're staying safe over the holidays. If you're not seeing family, I feel you. I'm also staying home. I hope these two specials bring you some joy, some comfort, and some holiday spirit. Now, let's get to it. My name is Jelani Cobb, and I think that one of the things that 2020 taught, or at least re-emphasized for people, was the importance of resilience. We've seen multiple sequential overlapping crises. And there were some people in some communities that were affected by all of those things that we've seen happen by a pandemic, a recession, the reckoning with the racial disparities that exist in this country, and not to mention the other ongoing swirl of controversy and dissension and polarization and the things that have made this a very trying time. And I think we've known this, but as Americans, we have tended to be sheltered in some ways, that we have not had to rely upon our fortitude and mental toughness in ways that this year demanded of us. And I think one other thing that we took from this year was a clarification about the society that we're living in. You know, for each of those crises, we saw the most vulnerable people. It was obvious, you know, who the most vulnerable people were in trying to navigate those situations. And we no longer have any more euphemisms or any more facades. The niceties are gone. We know 
who matters in our society and how we treat the people who we think don't matter. And what happens in 2021, I think, will be a direct result of what we saw this year. And hopefully we'll be able to make some differences or make change in terms of how we treat each other. That's it. Hi. How's it going? Oh, well, you know, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) I was just listening to a little bit of the episode to refresh myself on like what was happening. Yeah. What you were like, what I was like. You were like, 2020 is going to be a great year. (laughs) Did I say that? Yeah. (laughs) For whom? You know, I mean, whatever. How did you sound on that? I feel like I was just unaware that anything more terrible could happen. You know, like I feel like I've been in a place where like, things are pretty bad. And, you know, I'm kind of getting used to that. It is kind of surreal to have you back doing this as the first person who came on the show this year. The amount of joy that was in that conversation. There was a lot of pain also, but I felt like we had a lot of fun. There was hope. There was hope. <laughs> So, how has it been? I've had, like, you know, the usual existential shit, but, yeah, I mean, not more than any other year, to be honest. I actually, you know, when I think about it, I'm like, I kind of made it with pretty minimal nervous breakdowns. And, wait, 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 like, five or six, seven, eight? Yeah, I mean, it was a low number, frankly. And maybe it was because, like, it was a cultural thing. Like, I wasn't supposed to be okay, So maybe I took some comfort in that, but... It's like waking up on a rainy day. A little bit, yeah. It's like, oh my God, everyone has clinical depression? Like, this is wonderful. (laughs) Like, everyone knows what it's like to be, like, totally distracted by an impending sense of doom and (laughs) fear for one's safety. (laughs) Right. Welcome to the club. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Having new fears to, like, deal with, especially new fears around safety, and also having, like this compounding of awareness around how unsafe it is for me to be outside. It's just like, yeah, it's a lot. It's like hard to forget that. And, you know, I'd be trying to get some work done or whatever and get a New York Times alert that's just like, a trillion people are dead and no one likes Black women. Like, And then I'm just supposed to be like, sorry for the delay. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> It's traumatizing. It's so traumatizing. What is essential news? (laughs) Like, I don't know. There was really like very few avenues for relief this year. What were the avenues for relief? Marijuana. uh, Number one. (laughs) Number two, therapy. I thought you were going to say marijuana. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, I also, I did not fare well in the transition to Zoom world. And I felt really guilty about it. Like, this is what's fucked up about this situation. In a global pandemic, stay-at-home order, and I have social anxiety about, like, canceling plans or, like, not going to enough readings. Still, it's like the end of the world. And I'm like, I didn't make the poetry read. Like, this is- I felt guilty texting you to do this. <laughs> I was like, she doesn't want to, 
but I also know we'll have a nice time. I know, I know. But I felt, I, I was texting and I honestly, I think I drafted it like seven times. Oh, no. It doesn't no. matter. It's just that, it's like, I feel so bad too, because I feel like I picked the wrong things to like respond to with my minimal amount of energy. And like, <laughs> then I still have my friends and like things I still want to do. It's weird. I just feel so trash about it. Even though I'm like, everyone's fine. Like, no one's gonna... You know, and if they do disown me after that, that's like a bummer. And maybe it wouldn't have worked out much longer, you know, as our friendship. You know, it's like you would think of anything, no one's going to feel away if you're like canceling a patio hang. But like, <laughs> it feels like, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, is that enough excuses? Like I have three projects and there's a global pandemic and like people are sick. And like, I still am like, are they going to think I'm lying about the excuse? <laughs> like, <what>? doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at you. Um, I mean, it's so ridiculous. I felt a little bit like at uh, a little bit behind because I'm not someone who takes selfies. Mm-hmm. I started looking at myself in the mirror like a year and a half ago. <laughs> like, I, I just realized that everyone had like faces, but mine is just like, my face and I never really crafted anything. So now I feel at a total disadvantage because I'm supposed to be walking around with everyone accessing my face all the time. (laughs) And I really had just gotten to a place of like figuring out the in-person charm to make up for whatever. (laughs) Like, And now I'm not, I'm just struggling to have a new strategy. (laughs) So the charm has completely evaporated. I'm like, this is something else, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, i'm just it's gonna take me a minute to figure it out <laughs> it's gonna take a few minutes yeah i have faith you'll figure it out you know yeah i'm someone who really avoids looking in the mirror every day <laughs> and, and, and that sounds cripplingly sad but <laughs> i just never think about it i think not to i don't want to i know what it is I'm not that pleased about it. (laughs) Let's just move on. Right. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, this is, I have been writing about being single, which is the perfect thing to do when I can't (laughs) even date. You know what I mean? It's like the perfect thing to like sit and seep in my own insecurities and self-hatred and not be able to do anything about it. Just sort of like sit right there. I can't do anything. Just uh, grieve and whine. (laughs) But I, I, was thinking about I was like writing about uh the apps and why I don't use them and it's like you have to I don't know that I could date if in order to be good at dating you have to be good at taking your a picture of yourself with a phone that then shows yourself back at you like it's so it's a whole thing that's a particular skill why are we not acknowledging that like that is a skill and now I'm not good at like I didn't know that to be good at my job I would have to be good at like you know looking into a screen. Mm-hmm. No one told me that. I just got used to being in person. So so I'm curious, how has writing been? Bad. Terrible. No. I'm finding basically that I can write not for very many hours at a time. And I'm just like getting used to that, you know, and like forgiving myself for it. Because at first I was like, why am I exhausted after two hours? But it's like, I can't just like write about slavery for two hours and then like check the numbers of who is dead. And then like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, 
a lot for one bitch, you know, especially when I can't then go to like happy hour and how is writing about slavery and happy hour in the same paragraph? It's my lifestyle, man. That's what I'm up to. <laughs> it was already like the emotional energy is stretched. Slavery writing is is slow going. <laughs> Remember when Black Lives Mattered um again this year? <laughs> that moment when like all the corporations were like, oh, fuck, if we don't say something, we'll lose money. Mm-hmm. There was like this time that you could turn on Amazon and it would be like, now they all say black stories. But at first, one was just like black trauma, black struggle. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? This is the first thing. Black trauma, black struggle. OK, cool. Then like there was this commercial, I guess it was Blue Shield. Maybe it was something and it was just like a black screen. And then they were like flashing all the names of these dead black people. And it was kind of beautiful. However, it was hella traumatizing. And I'm like, you know, just watching whatever. It was inescapable in a way that was different than before because it was like capitalized and and packaged up. And it felt good like culturally good for everybody to you know know that black lives matter but also from my perspective i was just like it's a lot especially when i'm thinking all the time about slavery and really the economics of being an african-american person who derives from slavery and that like kind of economical situation and it's hard to reckon with any kind of hopefulness everything just feels so deep into capitalism that it's like can we even speak regularly you know what i mean like can we even like use words correctly it also felt distinctly not for us it it was for like nascar or whatever you know like and that's cool it was basically Like, if someone said, I just started reading books, have you heard of The Great Gatsby? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's honestly, like, ever since people have been coming around telling me that Black Lives Matter, that's how I've been like, duh. Like, I had to have believed that before. These sorts of things can come off in a lot of different ways. And I think you're right that it does have a different kind of flavor depending on who it's marketed toward. And I think that we're fu- we're getting to like the dregs of, of that, where it's like, literally, have you seen a black person? Like, do you know that they have breath? Like, that is where we are. And it's scary to know that it does take effort for other people to see these things that we think of as basic or quick to pick up or things like that. It's surprising because it isn't that much work. For people to do that education but it's just like eluded so many people and and what's sad about that is that like it's because it hasn't been necessary that's a fucking shame you know these aren't people who like you're saying are actively anti anyone they just you know are in the dark about these things it's not as if they're not willing to do something, you know, and just the fact that they never until right now felt it was necessary. That's what's scary. And that's why the only fucking black stories we could get are black drama, black struggle, et cetera. And like, here's all these 
dead black people's names. Like I love representation as much as the other person, but you know what I've had enough of slavery. <laughs> like I can't, like I can't, you know, it did seem like people were just graduating beyond Martin Luther King quotes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I do think to be vaguely hopeful, I didn't need to talk to anyone yeah. this summer. I, That's good. They initiated it. Mm-hmm. And it came up not like we must talk about it, but how could we not talk about it? Yeah, yeah. That there was a moral imperative. It's taken us a long time to get here you know because we're so it's so easy to just like say stuff but now we have to like do more than that otherwise everyone's gonna die (laughs) like that's really like where we are now plus like the nazis are just out here and they're organizing these motherfuckers have so many meetings we have none you know like come on They're up to so much. (laughs) The way you're saying that. They're up to so much stuff. It's wild to me. How did you get through the election? I tried not to pay attention. I had a couple days where I was like, not really present in in this plane of existence. To a certain point, like everyone's speaking in tongues to each other in this country, like Nobody knows what fascism really is. Like, we got motherfuckers saying, stand by to the Nazis. Like, people are calling something a Chinese virus that is fake. Like, what is going on? Like, I've learned better over this year not to uh, become attached to any kind of, like, maybe this will happen. Mm. Because it feels like a circus. Whatever happens, happens. You you know? Like, Mm -hmm. that's kind of the mindset that I was in. I'm curious... When you're going about your day, I know you have your dog. What matters to you at this point? My family, talking to my family a lot more, like my cousins and stuff, just like checking in with everyone a lot more. It's easy to forget you're connected to to other people, you know? It's hard when I don't usually think about seeing my family, like I just see them sometimes, but with the restriction, it feels weird. So... And I, that matters to me. Music matters to me. Sleep matters to me more than more than I thought. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize that. Touching people. I knew that before. That was like one of my love languages. But like, let me emphasize again: holding hands matters to me. <laughs> like this is terrible. Oh my god! Like I just. You're a holding hands in public person. Yes, I'm like come to me person (laughs) like bear hugs and stuff that i i sadly might not have said you know at the beginning of the year was something that matters to me but um having to like exist on this very like skimpy kind of like lifestyle like Mm -hmm. it really is just down to the basics like oh my god drink water eat food like get sleep these are important things that you have to slow down to recognize that they're important, I think. Well, at the beginning of the year when we spoke, what seemed chiefly important to you was writing and mm-hmm. what you wanted to write next on the heels of your last piece. That's the thing that I can imagine in the future. You know what I mean? Like if I'm projecting anything into the future, I probably can't imagine like whatever room I'm in 
who's next to me or whatever, but like, I'll be sitting there writing some stuff. I've always known that that is like, I mean, I, I like have to do it. And I think now that I have a different perspective on my writing than I did at the beginning of the year, which is like, I guess, expanding the definition of what writing is and looks like and could for me. Like how, what are all the possibilities in that? And not just like, what is the next book I'm going to write? Trying to figure out how to take down any kind of barriers I had in my head about, you know, what is possible in my career. I, I think it's like, yeah, just kind of like sitting down, looking at the books and thinking, okay, what is next? But also what could be, you know, have kind of slowing down and allowing openings for other stuff that's not like whatever plans I had. It's a year about like getting creative and, and just like reimagining, you know, and being like, well, why not? <laughs> you know, so I, I'm, I'm kind of trying to ride that. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's that nothing is guaranteed. It's going to be unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And have your plans, but be prepared to throw them away. Always, always. Like, <laughs> that's just what it is. You did ultimately plan on doing this podcast, which I think is a huge win for, for me and for everyone listening. This is the one thing in on my calendar this week. It was it, is that true? Well, now I booked a therapy appointment, but those are the two things. That's fantastic. <laughs> you booked a therapy appointment because you had to do this podcast? No. <laughs> now I just literally texted my therapist. No, but those are the things. Well, the fact that we did this in what feels like a lifetime ago, I am really glad that you and I have this weird kind of book and record of what I pray to be the worst year in our lifetimes. I really hope so. And I mean, maybe it will be looking back a fruitful one you know i don't know i'm i'm willing to allow that potentially it's a little bit of hope things could come out of that i'm not expecting you know what i mean no no of course bad things can come out of it too but because bad things can come out of it perhaps a couple little good things could arise you know so i'm i'll give that i'll take that from you the hope <laughs> getting hope just a little bit yeah <laughs> Morgan Parker, thank you very much. Thank you so much. It's good to see you. Hi, this is Kat Solon. So my biggest takeaway from this year has been reconnecting with the realms of creativity that don't require anything at all finding ways to explore my own ideas and my own approach to art making that start with the purest forms of art making. So rather than like the way I have grown to do it over the last 20 years, which is, okay, I need to make a music video or I need to make a commercial or I need to make a film of this thing. Now what's my idea? Instead, I found a way to come up with the ideas first before I decide that they have to be anything at all. And that's been really nice. 
I didn't know I needed to do that as badly as I did. And I'm finding that the themes get to speak more on their own than they ever have before. And I'm also getting to learn more about what inspires me and interests me and why I do anything I do. I feel proud that I've been able to find that within all of this, the shittiness that has been this year. <laughs> what do I hope 2021 will bring? Um, you know, it's hard for me. I'm, I'm not someone who normally looks forward to a new year. I try really hard to live every day as if it's the best year. I don't think that 2021 will bring magic. Like, I don't think that all of our problems will be solved. I'm actually scared that things will get worse. So I guess I have very simple hopes for 2021. And this year of all years, like, the simplest hope is actually not simple at all. And it's that I hope that 2021 brings us hugs and <laughs> brings us, like, close comfort with other people. <laughs> That's it. That's all I hope. Thank you. Bye. Hello there. Hello. How, how are you, Norman? Good to almost see you. Oh, once again from a computer. Last time it was from a golf cart. You sure you can't find a golf cart? Not on such short notice. If you give me another day, I could probably crack it. <laughs> I see you're outside here, or kind of outside. Where are you right now? I am outside. I am on a terrace outside our living room, and I'm looking across the way at some extended, at a, at a daughter who came in from Boston to spend a few days with her dad. Mm -hmm. All good. So tell me, how have the last few months treated you since we first, since we last talked? It's treated me better than it's treated most, and it's treated me badly. <laughs> I fucking hate it. And, you know, you can't say that and mean it without the word fucking. It, it, it's the emphasis on how much you hate it. Yes. What are you hating about it? Not being around people all the time? Knowing that when I wake up in the morning, that will be it. My day will be my home, and I will not get out. I will not see people. I will not work. I will not. I will matter no more than I matter walking from room to room. I like that Sydney is in the background, being like, "Well, you you still see me. We still do work." He does. He yes. does do a little work. Sorry. <laughs> it's good to see you. It is good to see you. I was wondering, since we're now almost on the other side of this election madness what have you made of of these last two months of of the election night and then the ensuing chaos oh i've had such a good time watching my man in the in the white house make history <laughs> <laughs> how could this have come about in my america it's a uh, close to a tragedy <laughs> It's working on tragedy. It feels like a heartbreak to me. Heartbreak indeed. I didn't understand, and this is maybe naive of me, but I didn't understand that the system is so fickle. Like, it really does depend on people kind of abiding by the rules. And it just all fell apart by one man. 
But one, one man with the, with the help of others in powerful positions, you know, he did, he did have a uh, McConnell. Mm-hmm. No small help. You know, we're doing these holiday episodes and we're talking like year-end reflections. And I'm wondering, for you, in looking across the country from your house, as we all have, what has given you hope about this country and what has made you ashamed of this country? Well, I, I don't want to wake up the morning I'm without hope. So let me start there. I am by nature hopeful. I'll, I'll never lose that. It's, it's resulted for me in my personal life in knowing that there's a Joe Biden on the way. And that's a big lift to the heart and the spirit and the head. It will be wonderful to see, uh, have someone in the White House who's waking up thinking about everybody and not just himself. It's going to make a big difference. Did you sense that over the summer when we spoke, there was across the country and around the world this kind of racial awakening for a lot of people, it seemed, in the aftermath of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor? What did you make of that? Do you think this country is starting to sort of reconcile with race in a larger way? If it is, it's very early. It can be said that the nation has started. It's at the beginning. I don't sense that we are far along as a nation in welcoming everyone. You know, by welcoming everyone, I mean all races, all personalities, all characteristics. We still have a way to go. We have a, the national conversation is only if it's beginning, it's at the be- if it's if it's begun, it's like it's at the beginning. It's funny you say that because if it's at the beginning now, where did you think it was when you were creating your television shows in the seventies? Uh, pretty much where it is now. <laughs> That's so depressing <laughs> thinking about that. Well, it's a long, slow road. That's fifty years. Well, fifty years is nothing. It's a lot in my lifetime and yours, but it's a drop of nothing in uh, the lifespan of a human of the species. As someone who chooses hope every morning, how hard has that been for you this year? Not hard at all. Not, not hard at all. But it has to be easier than living without it. It just seems so natural to me. And it... it so reasonable and understandable that it's easier to live with hope than without. Has that always been true for you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I was part of the group that got through World War II, so a good deal of combat. That's not happening right now, and I pray it won't. But as I think back, I think that was a more difficult time for America than the time we're living through now. But it was, uh, I'm taking a little back, a little bit back of what I just said, because it was clear who the good guys were and the bad guys were. And in that fight, it was good to feel we were, it was lots of support that we were the good guys. As I look at America today, it isn't clear. It isn't as clear. It isn't as clear about who's... Who are the good guys? Right. There was black and white then. I don't mean black and white racially <laughs> in any way at all. 
<laughs> I didn't think you did. You know, before we go, I know you said, to quote you, you fucking hate this time. <laughs> but I want to know, what has made you happy in the past six months? What is something you do besides drinking the Sprite? <laughs> Seven up. Oh, shit. I messed up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm looking across the odd feet. And I see a daughter who came out from Boston to spend some time with her father. And uh, it's impossible. I can't find the words to express how much pleasure that gives me. You know, and knowing that I have six terrific children, knowing that they're all well and getting through this difficult period is a great source of joy, support. You, you use the word support. It's enormous support. And what do you hope 2021 will bring for you? Everything you hope it will bring. <laughs> I, I can say that with some confidence to pretty much all other people I know. But you're someone who has a bunch of projects at every moment, it seems. Well, that's a big help. Yeah, there is something to do. Something to conclude, something to see shape up, something to offer a giant audience. I'm sure many people have said this, Norman, but I think it is a goal of anyone living to have as much to say as you do at your age. I hope I can be so lucky as to do that. Well, I'm going to see to it. <laughs> you will be so lucky, I have just declared. Well, this is on the record, so we have to hold you to it now. <laughs> well, I'm holding them to it. <laughs> my last question to you is if someone is listening to this two or three or four or five years from now, what would you like them to know about 2020? What would you say? I'd like them to feel good about having gotten well to the other side of it. <laughs> and with the hope that the other side of it is appreciably easier and better and healthier and happier. I wish that too. Bless you, my dear. Norman Lear, as you say, to be continued. To be I love it. To be continued. I will talk to you soon. You stay well. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. That was Norman Lear. He's the creator of shows like All in the Family, The Jeffersons, Maud. You know who he is. It's Norman Lear. Always a joy to spend time with him. If you want to hear our past conversations, you can find those on our website at talkeasypod.com. You can also find those on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you do your listening. While we take a minute, I, uh, I just wanted to remind everyone that Talk Easy is an independently operated podcast, which is probably dissimilar to most of the shows you listen to. Most fancy podcasts, and I'm not calling our show fancy, but most fancy podcasts are funded by organizations with an infrastructure for publicity and growth and outreach and marketing. What we have on Talk Easy is ourselves and you. So, if you like what we do here, if the show has helped you through the pandemic, the best thing you could do for us is to share the show with a friend on social media, over email, 
wherever. If you've already done that or want to support us in another way, the second best thing you could do is visit www.talkeasypod.com shop. There you'll see our new mugs that I uh, talked about in the beginning of the episode. They come in cream and navy. You can also buy our record with Fran Leibowitz. We're sending the mugs and the records out right now and throughout the holidays. So if you'd like to consider supporting us, visit www.talkeasypod.com shop. That's talkeasypod.com shop. Each and every act that I mentioned helps us continue making this show into 2021. And now, a voicemail from our dear friend of the show. One of my favorite actresses, by the way. This is Juliette Lewis. Hello, friends. It's Juliette Lewis. Oh, 2020, you rat bastard. So in closing, I'm not going to go over all the losses I suffered because we, as we know, other people suffered more. Um, but I will say in closing... A couple songs you might want to put on. I was singing um, this morning in my mind while making breakfast. You gotta have friends. Bette Midler, please put it on. Sing that chorus. You will instantly feel better. Um, Also, recommendation. Now is the time to listen to Pink Floyd records from beginning to end. Dive into the sonic landscapes. Be transported at once to the future and the past and nowhere all at the same time. Beautiful magic escapism. Music, music, music is life. Get off your devices. Take a long walk. Surrender to being mindful and vigilant without hysteria. We can do it. You can do it. Less news. Less news. Lots of love. Happy 2021. Hello. Oh, I can see you. I didn't realize you were here. I'm here. How are you? Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. It's good to see you. So, Titus... We spoke over the summer. How have you been doing since then? Pretty good. I can't believe it's been, it feel, It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but also it feels like it's been four years. It's doing pretty okay. Some family drama here and there. And, you know, just trying to navigate people's seemingly increased unruliness and blatant disregard for other humans. And I feel it happening more and more on a regular basis, which concerns me. Maybe it was always there, but I also think people don't have good examples in the world right now of what decency looks like. So it makes me nervous that this is going to be a norm in the circles that I move in. I worry about people that way. I don't know why it's so difficult for us to coexist. I'm fine. I don't know. How are you? Oh, well, much of the same, except for the music part. I agree there's been a uh, a kind of consistent selfishness in this pandemic time where we're, where we're supposed to stay inside, abide by rules. Clearly, we are learning that people don't like rules. When you say unruliness, that's such a vivid word. What are you thinking about? That word, I think, if that's an umbrella, 
underneath it are a series of microaggressions that I seem to run into very often. I will be the first to, to say, well, Titus, what is your participation in this? But Sam, I got to tell you, I'm pretty great to people. I'm pretty nice. It is when I see, for instance, a couple days ago, the recycling wasn't, I didn't know you had to sit it on the sidewalk to have it picked up. Now, listen, the distance from where the trash can was to the end of the sidewalk, I'm not joking, it's about three feet. Okay, so I'm in my garage where I work out and I have cameras, I can see outside. And so I, I watched the trash garbage collectors come and I watched them pick up everything else and with urgency and pride and defiance, walk past my trash bins. So I come outside and I'm giving an, a series of excuse me's. When I tell you they sped up as though they could not hear me. Mm -hmm. So I chased them down because they just uh, two, three doors down, there was more trash and I came just outside of uh, the driver's window. And I said, are you not gonna pick up my trash or whatever? And you could tell he was ready for a fight because the question alone obviously doesn't warrant the wrath that was to come to me. He was waiting for this moment. In fact, I think he was almost glad that I saw them so that he could reprimand me. And he goes on a tarn, and I let him finish. Because that day, I had a surplus of energy. I thought, this is something that he can control. This is his platform. This is his opportunity to make sure that justice is served in his universe. And while I was concerned about his tone, he was right. I had not put the trash on the sidewalk. I didn't know that was something I had to do because it's gotten picked up every other time unless somebody's just down there so nice and you know, doing it for me. He goes, and you see everyone else's trash on the sidewalk. I said, sir, I'm not trying to be mean. I just was perplexed as to, I watched you walk by trash. I said, if you'll just hold a moment, I'll go get it and I'll bring it to you. He comes out of the car, we hand off the trash. And I could see that because I did not give him the fight that he was so hungry for. I mean, the level of thirst, it wasn't thirst anymore. It was dehydration. He needed an argument and I didn't give it to him. And in the handoff of the trash, he said, I just wanna make sure you know, you know that you have to, you know, put it on the side of the street or whatever. That wasn't an apology, but he was trying to apologize for his tone. And I watched him be out of sorts because of something that I did not give him back. And I thought, let me see how much of this I can put into the, the rest of my days, or at least on the, in the immediate interim, because the level of unnecessary hostile encounters that I witness, that I'm a part of, it's gotten out of hand. And I think not enough of us go to the gym or not enough of us work out and not enough of us pray or meditate or something because it seems that people have no other place to place their madness except onto other people. Mm. And it's a problem. Do you think it's just this year 
Have people had it? No, of course not. But I think this year has exacerbated it. It has revealed how people, some people behave in extreme circumstances. If you were on the fence about certain people or people that you know, or if you hadn't yet made a decision as to what type of person they are, I think by now you, you will know who needs to stick around in your circle and who doesn't, because this really was a testament to um, people's true nature. The verdict is in. The verdict is in, and everyone's guilty. <laughs> you know, it seems like you've taken on this therapeutic approach to integrating kindness into your life. I thought by now that my journey would become a bit easier. I no longer believe in karma. I don't think you get what you give. I think that's something that we tell ourselves to give us something to aspire to. I will do this kind gesture in the hopes that I will receive something back. We need to believe that there is balance, natural balance in the world. There is not. You either are a good person or you are not. You either are a man of your word or you are not. I've done a lot of things. I have made some terrible decisions, but I, I never not consider people's feelings. And after this year, and after, again, watching the blatant disregard for other humans and watching people take such perverse pleasure out of making other people miserable, I've been the target of many different types of attacks, cyber attacks, gaslighting. Being a celebrity on some level is not all it's cracked up to be. I'm not complaining. I'm just merely telling you in an observational level how this thing has shaken down, if you will. And as a result, it has occurred to me that you have to make a concerted effort to treat people with grace and mercy and kindness and respect and know that it is highly likely that there will not be reciprocity. I've been grappling with this very idea of, you know, what you put out into the world, will you get it back? And reconciling with the fact that probably not. Probably not. But that doesn't mean you should deviate from the course. Absolutely. You got to search yourself to figure out if there were no return, would you still be doing this? You know, and, that, and again, that answer reveals who you are. What do you think 2020 has taught you about yourself and this country? I sometimes feel paralyzed by the amount of things the world needs to correct that I am unable to contribute to in an attempt to correct it. But since I had to stay at home, since we've been quarantined, I've had no other choice but to water my own plants. And it, it has left little time to be concerned with what's going over in you know your house that I don't like or that I don't agree with. There's this gospel song called Get Your House in Order. It's basically talking about time winding up. Now, I'm not forecasting the end of the world. I don't know when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, whatever. But I do know that time is winding up because we're getting older, you know. And there's a saying, the older you get, the closer the future comes to you. I make this joke. I always say, oh, God, this, I want this to be the last time I come to Earth. And I really do mean that. But I really do want to leave here having completed as much of the things as I've felt I have been called to do. And one of the things that I think I have been called to do is to extend as much 
grace and mercy to these people that I've been talking about who, for whatever reason, feel that there is no other course of action but to act out in a way that can harm other people, whether, whether it be emotionally or physically or mentally. But my first thought is, what do you need? Why, why did you choose this way to communicate? What is that about? And it makes me go, well, Titus, you know, what do you need? I'm in Jersey, but New York adjacent. And it is a very tough city and people are out of work. The world is irate, there's a pandemic. And on some level, I think this has caused irreparable damage to many people's psyche and their constant state of being. And what will the long-term ramifications be? People are in some precarious situations right now. Throughout this year, have you ever thought to yourself, I had fun once before, right? I had a good time, right? At some point. It's strange to wake up and have your, your first thought be about government or about science or about where, where, when you're going to go to work, back to work. You know, it's like a crazy, crazy world. I do often think about what does fun look like and when did I have it? And when it's time to do it again, will I be able to do it freely and in the epicenter of what fun is or will I only be enjoying it because of the backdrop that was this year? Something I like that you said, you said that the older you get, the future comes closer and closer to you. What do you want 2021 to bring? I'm going to tell you, but I'm also going to tell you, I don't think I'm going to get it. I would like the kindness that I show people to be shown to me. That is all. I have everything else. I just want to go out in the world knowing that there will be peace around me or that small interactions like with me and the fucking gas attendant or me and the person at the bodega. Like, can't this trivial, meaningless interaction be sans hostility? But it shows up everywhere. And I don't know if I'm, because I know it's coming, I prepare myself before I go out the door. It's like almost being vaccinated. You get a little bit of the disease inside you so that you, you, you are ready for it. <laughs> but it's true though. So I don't know if, if, if like I'm just walking around like expecting gloom and doom or it's just because I've gotten so much gloom and doom, I have to be ready when I encounter it, which means on some level, living inside of it just a little bit to protect myself from it when it comes. But, you know, again, doling out that grace and doling out that kindness and doling out that, that idea of some people don't know how to do better is a better way to say it. Giving them that barrier of grace does more for me than I think it probably does for the person receiving it, which is why I don't believe in karma and uh, reciprocity is a bonus. It is not inherent in the give. And the moment I digested that, it makes these microaggressions that I run into a lot easier to stomach. If I just say to myself, this has nothing to do with me. This is about power. This is about this. This is about that. And releasing that has given me another type of power that I find to be invaluable, that I would not have been able to tap into 
were it not for this year. But there's another power in all this, which is that you are choosing to care. I sort of the inverse of your point or your question, I think, well, what else, what is everyone else doing? <laughs> in order to stay alive and in order to keep the channel open so that I can tap into inspiration at a moment's notice, it is my job and my obligation to keep that barrier of mercy and grace in between me and the people who don't know how to do better so that they cannot infect me, thus blocking the pathway to art and music and creativity, the thing that I do for them in spite of them. You have, as a performer, this kind of unique capability to generate joy in a way that must demand a lot of you and is probably very difficult to routinely protect. It's rare to hear someone put it into words. The meeting point where I, whereby I know that you understand has rendered me speechless, but I've been able to like go on and on and on and on and on and on, on. So I don't know what to say or how to respond except to say it is nice to know that there's another tribe member. You don't have to say anything. Could you play the song that you play to yourself that's like, I love this song. It makes me happy when I play it. Yes. I got to plug in my computer because it's going to die. Hang on. Okay. All right. Let's see here.
been a very difficult year for everyone you and i included everyone listening there are only a few things to be grateful for health is one of them and i also think these conversations so i am so very grateful to have met you this year i can't possibly follow that any other way so titus thank you thank you sam our show special thanks this week to titus burgess norman lear morgan parker kat solon juliette lewis and jelani cobb for more visit www.talkeasypod.com if you'd like to buy one of those mugs i've been talking about you can visit our site at talkeasypod.com shop that's talkeasypod.com shop you can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TalkEasyPod. And if you'd like to join our mailing list, drop me a line at TalkEasyPod at gmail.com. This show is made possible each week by our incredible team. Our executive producer is Janixa Bravo. Illustrations by Krishna Shenoy. Associate producer, Nikki Spina. Our lead editor is Andre Lin. Our assistant editors are Joshua Siegel, Kevin Kaur, and David Harding. Music by Dylan Peck. Marketing by Patrice Lee. Booking by Jules Rector. Our interns are Grace Perkins, Claire Hardwick, and Ian Simmons. Graphics by Derek Gabrzak and Ethan Seneca. And the show is produced by Caroline Reebok. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. We'll be back again next Sunday with part two of our holiday special, including Hassan Minaj, Holland Taylor, Dolores Huerta, Allison Pill, and many, many more. Until then, happy holidays to you and yours. Whether you're traveling or staying home, I wish you good health. I know it's a scary time, and I hope this episode helped. I'll see you on the other side. Stay safe, and so long. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, 
you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventionalawards. See you there. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.